Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. We've been in a series that's called A House Divided. And uh, we're not talking about the House of Representatives. Uh, We are talking about the body of Christ, okay? We're talking about a church in Corinth, (laughs) not in Mississippi. I love that video. Not in Mississippi, Corinth, Greece. And the setting for this is that they're in a place that is one of the most immoral places on the earth. I mean, it was so filled with idolatry and filled with immorality. But God wanted a church there. And Paul goes and he spends time there, and they, a church is born, people are coming to Christ, he leaves, and when he gets to Ephesus, he finds out that there are kind of some issues back in the church at Corinth, at Chloe's house, for sure. Because the early church, they didn't have buildings, they just had people's homes, and Chloe was one of the devout followers of Christ, probably one of the leaders, and in her home, there was a letter written to Paul saying, man, we got some problems. So he's addressing those problems. Now, this series is through the book of 1 Corinthians. And what we're going to find is that every time you open this letter, even though this city is a long way from us, it it happened a long time ago, man, it could have been written to us. You'll see yourself, we'll see ourselves in this letter as we move through it. I've had people text me and said, we're, we're really going to talk about everything in 1 Corinthians? Yes. And they weren't asking that because it's long. They were asking because they know some of the subject matter coming up. Like immorality in the church. Like, well, we went out to eat and we had a glass of wine and it offended them. And so are we supposed to, is it okay to drink wine? And they don't think you should. How do we deal with that? Or... I've got a friend, and they worship on Saturday, and we worship on Sunday. So is, am I wrong? Are they wrong? Man, Paul touches all of that because their world is like our world. It was divided, and it had come into the church. And so the church just had a sense they were inadequate to address all these things. I, I, let me just see a show of hands. How many of you have ever found yourself in a moment or a situation where you really felt ill-prepared to answer a question or to deal with what was happening. Have you ever felt that way? Perfect. All of us have. And the church especially can find itself. I just think in this culture today, it's not like it was in the 50s. And we sometimes feel like, man, we're, we're irrelevant. We don't have to be. We feel like we're, we don't know the answers. We don't know how to deal with the world around us that's now against us. Yeah, we do. He tells us. Church there had the same thing going on. I can tell you a moment where I was the most uncomfortable and I needed something that I didn't have. At least that's what I thought. My first trip snow skiing. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever done downhill skiing, but... Here I am in my 20s, running every day, still playing basketball three times a week. I mean, I was in great shape. My wife grew up 
with a family that would go skiing. They would take the family on ski trips. She said, hey, dad wants us to go. And, and I said, let's go. And she said, are you, you're okay with learning? I said, oh, man, I'll pick that up just like that. <laughs> I have never been more frustrated in my entire life. So you get there, and the first thing is when they are strapping on the equipment, I'm like, this is not comfortable. Can't y'all get soft shoes? I mean, I played basketball in high tops. I got some. Can we not figure out that? These boots feel like I'm Frankenstein. And, and they locked them down so tight. And I told the guy, I said, man, I, I, I don't need it that tight. And he looked at me and goes, yes, you do. <laughs> and then I get these long skis, and I'm like, why are mine so long? Everybody else is short. He said, because you're so big. That's why they're long. <laughs> and then he gives me these poles. I'm like, what I got these for? I'm not going on a hike. Actually, I was. But anyway, he said, no, you're going to need those poles. The whole thing was just like, so I said, okay, I'll do class. Now, what's frustrating, here I am, 6'6", in my 20s, you know, feel like I can do anything, and there's a four-year-old in my, in my same class. <laughs> And he's knocking it out. The first thing they taught us to do, said most important thing you got to know is how to make a wedge. I thought, a wedgie? No, a wedge. And they put my feet, and my, I can't even do it anymore. My knees were together, my skis were out, and they said, that is the secret to stopping. Do you realize how awkward this is? I said, I, this is impossible. And guess what? My, my wedge never stopped me. <laughs> I just kept going. At lunch, I told my family, I said, I am not taking that class anymore. That's ridiculous. I got to figure this out. I'm going to go up on the mountain with y'all. <laughs> they said, okay. I mean, Rachel, she's a great skier. She is to this day. She's an incredible skier, better than I ever got. So let's go. We get up on the mountain. <laughs> the next thing I know, I have my skis off, over my shoulder, poles in one hand, skis in the other, and I'm walking down the slope. I'm done. I'm through. I'm giving up. And all of a sudden, this girl comes up on a snowmobile, a ski patrol. She goes, what's wrong? I said, I'm tired. I'm done. She said, well, you can't walk down the slope. I said, what am I supposed to do? She said, here, get on. I'll take you down. So I get on this snowmobile. She says, put your skis across my legs, reach around, and grab the skis. And then she turned around and said, don't touch me. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, she was tough. So I'm holding on. Then she takes off. And I mean, she's flying. And she goes over a little jump, and I'm telling you, I let go of skis, and I grabbed her. And man, she said, don't touch me. I said, but I can't stay on if I don't grab you. She said, don't touch me. I get down the bottom of the hill. Oh, my goodness. I get back to the condo, and I'm done. I said, I'm not ever doing that again. This is the worst sport that they ever invented. Who thought of this sport? The next day, I went out. I said, Rachel, I'm going to stay with you, and I'm either going to die or figure it out. <laughs> I mean, from the time I put them on the next day, it was like I got it. 
It became one of my favorite sports. We would go every year. Skiing, blacks, blues, I mean, all of them. What happened? I didn't get new equipment. I didn't change equipment. I had the same equipment. But you know what I started doing? I started trusting it. I started just realizing what they were trying to teach me in class. It works. The day Jesus walked into your life, you got all you need to be a Christian in this day. I mean, a Christian in a world that is not always nice to Christians. You have everything you need. And so what Paul is doing and what we're about to read is he's saying to them, guys, I'm so thankful for what you have because what you have is all you need. And I want you to find that passage. If you've got a Bible or you've got a phone, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 4. It's the Thanksgiving section of the letter. Okay, it's a Thanksgiving section, which means usually when Paul writes his letters, he opens with a greeting. And then he usually will always have a Thanksgiving. In other words, something he's thankful for about them. There's only one letter. He didn't have that. It's the letter of Galatians because he was mad at them. And it wasn't, <clears throat> there wasn't a whole lot to be thankful for, but that's another day, another story. He writes this beautiful Thanksgiving, and this is what he said. Everything you need, you have. And everything you have, it came from Jesus. Okay? It's as simple as that. In fact, let me put it up. I, I, want, us, I want us to say this together. Everything we need, we have. Say it. Everything we have. We have because of Jesus. That's as simple as I can make it. It is the secret of the letter of 1 Corinthians because it cuts against division. It cuts against teachers leading you astray. It basically is saying the day Jesus walked in, he became everything. Follow him, not everybody else. And so basically Paul is laying this out. Now, I'm not going to read the text through like I normally do. We're going to work our way through it. Because I want you to see three things that you have because of Christ. And these three things are good to go. They'll get you through anything you face. They will get you into the toughest situations you ever find yourself in. And God will use you. And you can stand. Now, if you're in this room today and you're not a follower of Christ, I'm so glad that you're here or you're on the stream. This is what... We have found in Christ. And this is why we are passionate about following Jesus, why we talk about Jesus all the time. is because of what we have found in him. So first thing, we have all the grace we need. We have all the grace we need. Verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. When Paul wrote this, what Paul is thinking, when Jesus walked in your life, you got all the grace you need. Grace doesn't come in stages. It comes with Jesus. And the moment Jesus walks in your life, the moment you follow him, all of a sudden you have a gift. The word grace is actually the word for gift. It's a gift. It's also a word that can be translated the favor of God or the blessing of God. 
Some even say, well, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. I mean, there's so many ways to, to take that word and to dissect it. Basically, for me, it means that everything I'll ever need from God, I got the day Jesus walked in my life. And it came in one package, and it's a beautiful thing called grace. I now have the favor of God. I have the blessing of God. Well, what if the circumstances of life aren't good? It means they're not good, but I've got something that is good. Jesus is all I need. And as long as I have this, and I understand, He brought me all the grace I need, it makes all the difference. Let me, let me, let me here's a, a metaphor or an example. How many of you own a smartphone? Let me see your hand. Okay. I started to do the iPhone and Android debate, but we're not going to get into that here. Okay. I happen to have an iPhone. Not because the scripture teaches it, just because I have an iPhone. Okay. Really because my assistant worked for Apple before she came and worked in my office. So I have an iPhone. It's never worked better, right? All right. How many of you have found something recently that your iPhone or your Android does you didn't know it did? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you. The ones who didn't raise your hand, you might want to check. There's some great stuff. For example, sitting at home Friday night watching a movie, I sent a text to I said, Rachel, watch this. I sent a text to Rachel, and then I unsent it. And she said, what is it? I said, watch this. I sent the text. And then I'd learned how to unsend it, and I hit unsend, and I said, okay, now, is the text still there? She said, no, it disappeared. If they could have just given that in life, wouldn't it be awesome to have an unsaid? I didn't say that. No, give me that back. But they have a way to unsend. I didn't know that. I mean, I'm learning stuff all the time. In fact, did you know the top five reasons people own a smartphone Making a phone call is not in the top three. <laughs> it's not. If you ask folks that love the iPhone or love Androids, the number one reason usually has to do with social media. Number two is email. Number three is usually text messaging or checking Google for something or whatever. I mean, a phone is way down the list, and yet we call it a phone. But if all you use your phone for is making a call, Man, you're missing a whole world of stuff. I heard a guy say recently, he, uh, he heard about a guy who went and bought a Lexus because he needed a new cup holder. That's about what it's like when you buy a phone, okay? You get so much stuff. When Jesus walks in your life, you get so much. And yet sometimes we live in this little slice of what it means to have Jesus, and we're missing all the, and we think we, have got to find it out there. And so we follow every teacher, which is exactly what they did. Follow this teacher. I'm following that teacher. I'm on this podcast. Hey, I'm, I, I love this Instagram, and I'm following that guy on Facebook. Why? Well, because it, they just get me what I need. Oh, Lord, help us. Christ gave you everything you need. Now, it's great to have people to encourage you, but even I can't give you what you need. He gave you what you need. Look at what Paul said to the Romans, talking about God is for you. He's not against you. You know why? He gave his own son. 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us, say it with me, all things. What does that mean? You got everything when Jesus walked in your life. You have all the grace you'll ever need. And I'm just tired of living the kind of life that thinks, well, I need something. I'm missing something. Maybe there's a book that I need. Maybe there's a podcast I need. No, I need Jesus, and I have Jesus. Wake up. Learn how to ski by doing what you know to do. And so for me, the first thing we have, we have grace. All the grace we could ever want. Second thing, gifts. We'll go to the next verse, verse 5. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift. You hear what he said? You're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, between now and Jesus coming, you're not lacking any gift. And he actually calls out two things. You were given everything you need, and you've been enriched in speech and knowledge. Now, the backdrop of this letter, you're going to read with me at some point, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul is saying, hey guys, we all have different gifts. And those gifts were given by him. And if we all use those gifts, the body of Christ works great. Then you're going to read... <laughs> how they were arguing with one another, saying, oh, my gift is better than your gift. Oh, you don't have the gift of prophecy. I got the gift of prophecy. Well, I wish I had that gift because I got this gift. And he said, no, 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 no. You have the gift you're supposed to have. You already have it. You have been given speech. One of the big gifts that was promoted among the Christians of that day, as well as among the philosophers, the ability to speak. The ability to speak. I've heard people say, man, I wish I had the gift of prophecy. I wish I had the gift of exhortation. I had the gift of whatever. You know what? You have the gift you're supposed to have, and that involves being able to speak about what? The testimony about Christ. In other words, you have what you need to have to tell somebody about Jesus. You have it. It's your testimony. And so he's encouraging them, don't let anybody tell you you can't speak or you can't share because you have been given that by God himself in Christ. So tell the story. Tell them what Jesus did for you. We can all do that. And then there are those, <laughs> and all knowledge. I've heard people say, well, I don't really know enough about the Bible to be able to share. I don't know enough about the Bible to have conversation or, or to live a really faithful life in this world because I... I don't know if Adam had a belly button. Neither do I. But you'll have people ask you, oh, well, hey, I got a question for you. Did Adam and Eve, did, did one of their kids have to marry one of their kids? You see that the world will always try to take you down a path of things we don't know. Well, let me tell you what we do know. Jesus Christ died for our sin, rose from the dead, and He is the Lord, and He is the Savior. That's what we do know. All knowledge does not mean we know the mysteries of the world and the universe. No, it means you know enough to be living in this culture and making a difference for Jesus.
you have all the gifts you need to be a witness for him. And the third thing, we have all the help we need. You know who helps us? Who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Sustain. He will sustain you. Who's he talking about? He's talking about God. He will sustain you. Jesus will be there. Will give you all the strength you need. He will keep you in it. Is there any more help needed? No. In fact, he not only will sustain you and he will keep you in it, he will take away your fear of the day when you see him. I love this. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to fear what that day is going to be like when you stand before him. You live with confidence, you live with assurance, and you live with an energy and something going on inside of you that sustains you through the worst of life, no matter what you're walking through. Now, he's not saying that he's going to make life easy and life is going to be very, very simple. No, no. He's just saying he'll be there with you. He will sustain you. Because, see, sometimes it's during the hard seasons of life we have learned that lesson. Before we hit the rough water, we think, oh, we got this. And then all of a sudden you hit a storm and you're like, man, I, gotta, I need you. That's what he wants us to learn. You need him and you have him. And he will sustain you and give you strength to the very end. And so Paul is saying, I'm so thankful you have all you need. I'm thankful that all of this, this is what you have in Christ. So every one of us, listen. Let's say it again as we go back to that phrase. Put the phrase up. Everything we need, we have. Say it. Everything we need, we have. Everything we have, we have because of Jesus. Do you really believe that? You know, you're going to see this letter next week, in fact, turn to I beg you, Paul says, I beg you in the name of Jesus, agree. And he talks about how they were following everybody. Some of you are following Peter. Some of you are following Apollo. Some of you are following even me. And he's going, did I die for you? Did Peter die for you? No, one died for you. Follow him. And agree. So this morning, we live in a world that people want you to follow them. Literally. They want you to follow them. They want you to think you need them. Can I just say it again? You have everything you need when you have him. And so for us to declare, Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are everything to me. And let me put it into a life moment. We lost a member of the church a few days ago. He was a missionary for years, he and his wife. He was a pharmacist by training and career, and God called him to the mission field. He went to a country known then as Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. He poured his life out there. 
He came back to the States. His whole family were, were missionaries. I mean, they were incredibly heroic in all they did for the gospel's sake. Ed Moses comes back and his wife, Missy, and, and they are here every Sunday sitting right there. And then we lost her. And so the call came that Ed was not far from death. And this is a man that I just had such respect for. I heard about him before I ever met him. And I went down to Westminster Tower. And I went into his room. His daughter met me at the door. And she said, I don't know if he'll recognize you. I don't know if he'll be able to carry on a conversation. I said, that's okay. I'm, I'm not here for him to recognize me. I'm here to say thank you to him for what he did for me. So I walk in. And man, here he is, just shriveled up. And I could tell he was in pain, and he was, he was very agitated, and he was sitting up and laying back and sitting up and needing water. And when he saw me, he said, Pastor David. I said, hey, Ed. He said, oh, Pastor David. And then the next thing out of his mouth, he looked up, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And then he went back to talking to me, and then all of a sudden again, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And I sat there by him. And that's all he said repeatedly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I bet I heard it 25 times. But it's never been more beautiful to me to hear it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's a man who served him, known him, led so many to faith in him. And his last words, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When I got up to leave, I thought he was asleep, and I thought he finally had calmed down and would rest. And so I slipped out, let go of his hand, slipped to the door, and I looked around to say goodbye to him because I knew I wouldn't see him again. And he's looking right at me. And he said, thank you, Pastor David. I said, no, thank you, Ed Moses. When I walked out of that room, all I could hear was, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, of all of life that has come our way and all the good things and everything that's happened to us, I will just tell you today, the greatest way to me, for me to sum it up is to say, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because of Christ, I have everything. Because of Jesus, I'm alive. And that song we sang a little bit ago, I want us to sing it again. And now in the context of what you heard Paul say, let's sing it to Jesus to say, because of you, I have everything I could ever want. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together as we stand. Hey, I want to ask you, do you know Christ? Is there someone in this room that you've never put your trust and your faith in Christ? It's one thing for us to talk about him and to, and to sing to him and to sing about him. But if you've never put your faith in him, you've never said, Jesus, come take control. You don't understand what that grace is like. You don't understand what that gift is like. And that's the greatest gift you could ever received. And I want to encourage you, put your faith in him. Take that step and believe and say, Jesus, I need you.
If you're as good as they say you are, I need you. And yes, he's better than we say he is. He's everything. And I want to pray for you right now. Those of you on the stream, those of you in this room that maybe have never trusted him. Jesus, thank you for being here today. Thank you for giving to us everything we need for life. So Lord, today, if there's someone in this room that's never put their faith in you, Jesus, right now, as they call on you, do what only you can do. Walk into their life and change their life. Jesus, I just want to say thank you. Because of you, I have life. And because of you, I have everything I need to live the victorious Christian life. Yes, in a world that's not like us. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.